SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Conference USA Underdog Podcast on UnderdogDynasty.com. SB Nation's home for G5 football. Joe Lonergan and Eric Henry here with you once again. I'm going to tackle some news and notes from throughout the offseason so far we'll probably get to a formal bowl recap at some point as we still recover from all the holiday festivities uh but today we're going to start with uh one of our famed guest spots with uh mr jared mcdonald of the bowling green daily news he of course covers western kentucky athletics jared how are you doing today sir not bad not bad um like we were just talking about off the air a little bit, you know, it's a little bit of a slower time with the basketball season starting conference play. Uh, so it's a little bit more of a set schedule with the way conference USA is doing it. And now that football is over, but, you know, still staying busy with these, uh, all the signings that's going on and the coaching changes and all that fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of coaching changes, uh, let's dive right into it. Uh, Western Kentucky defense, solid year for them considering everything going on. And uh, Clayton White did a a pretty decent job uh, as the defensive coordinator there since he came in a few years ago. He has now moved on to uh, a job with the South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, What do you think of that move and anything uh, strike you in terms of who's going to be able to replace Clayton White here? Yeah, they actually already named a replacement for Clayton White. It's going to be Maurice Crum. He's in his fifth year, going to be in his fifth year coaching full-time at Western Kentucky. He was actually named the co-defensive coordinator um, ahead of last year. I think this was a move that was kind of expected to happen. Clayton White had been getting some attention um, previously for some other uh, defensive coordinator jobs. I believe he turned down Memphis. Um, last season, uh, last off season, uh, he had some interest from Purdue, and I heard he turned down um, that defensive coordinator position before accepting South Carolina. Um, but you know, I think it was an, a move that was expected by the way that Western Kentucky's defense had performed. You know, they had the best scoring defense conference USA last year, a top 25 defense nationally. So you know, I think it was something they were expecting and prepared to, for um, to happen eventually, and it just happened to be this past weekend that it did. Gotcha. The uh, former Notre Dame standout you're talking about there, and Maurice Crum. Um, so interesting to see how he's going to be able to fulfill those shoes. Uh, switching gears to the offensive side of the ball now. Um, what was your take on how well Tyrell Pigram performed in his first year as the Western Kentucky starter? What's that quarterback room looking like now with uh, Tyrell Pigram? and DeVaris Thomas transferring out. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll answer the first part of that question first with Tyrell Pigram. You know, I think he's a guy that came in with extremely high expectations in place for him just because he was a guy that had played at Maryland before. You know, he was so highly recruited out of uh, Clay Chalkville High School in Alabama out of Birmingham there. Um, And, you know, I think people got their hopes up really high for him. It's not like he was ever really bad it's just the offense couldn't get going um you know he didn't throw an interception until the uh bowl game against georgia state he finished the year with 1603 yards nine touchdowns uh, a 57.6 completion percentage so he was he was all right but he wasn't i guess game changing and i think that's what they wanted um out of him, you know, they had some difficulty with receivers. Um, they brought in a couple of transfers, Juco transfers, and Mitch Tinsley and Craig Burt. Um, you know, they had some people leave, Jaquez Sloan and uh, Jacor Pearson, a couple of the best receivers in the 2019 season. 
entered the transfer portal, Sloan, before the season started, right before that Louisville game, the opener. And Pearson, after the second game of the season against Liberty, he actually just committed to Ole Miss, I saw yesterday. But, you know, they had some injuries at the receiving position as well. Um, and, you know, the offense just never really, as a whole, got going, both Pigram um, and the running backs and the receivers, you know. And that's kind of transitioning into the quarterback room now. You know, Western Kentucky um, named a new offensive coordinator and Zach Kitley. He had a lot of success at Houston Baptist um, the last few years. Uh, and even this past year, they played four games there, three of them against FBS teams, you know, Houston Baptist, FCS. And they had a lot of success offensively with them. Um, and shortly after Kitley came, it was the day after Western Kentucky's bowl loss, they actually announced the signing of Bailey Zappi, the quarterback from Houston Baptist. He had entered the transfer portal right after the Hilltoppers had announced the signing or the, the addition of Kitley to the coaching staff. And I think there's going to be some competition there if Pigram stays, you know, talking to Kitley right after he joined the team, right after he was announced. He said that he expected Pigram to stay, um, but that was before they announced Zappi's signing. Uh, you know, Zappi's a guy that threw for over 1,800 yards, 15 touchdowns, uh, with uh, completing over 65% of his passes last year in four games. Uh, and like I said, three of them against FBS teams. So I think he's kind of going to be the, the guy that people look at and expect to start the year at quarterback just because he's familiar with the offense that's going to be in place with Kitley now as the offensive coordinator. And, you know, to kind of go off of that too, they also signed a couple of receivers uh, from Houston Baptist, two of their best receivers, and Jareth and Josh Stearns. So there's going to be some familiarity there too with all those pieces around the offense now. Totally makes sense. Um, so I guess then, like, you mentioned – there being pieces there to work with on the offense. Uh, who is a, a young name that uh, fans might not necessarily know off the top of their head that uh, you think is going to make a difference heading into the 2021 season for the Hilltoppers? Um, you know, that's kind of a tough question just because they've had a lot of experience uh, this past year, I guess mm -hmm. more so on the, the, the defensive side. Um, I don't know if it would be younger players as much as the incoming players that I think will, will have as much of an impact on the offense. Um, you know, we talked about Zappi. I mentioned the Stearns brothers. Um, you know, one of them was a freshman, another a junior. Um, and, you know, everybody has that extra year of eligibility this year with the NCAA ruling that. But I, I, it's not a younger player, but it's a new player to Western Kentucky. I think that they really want to um, – work into the offense next year is Adam Cofield. He's a guy that they signed out of North Dakota State as a graduate transfer. Um, and, you know, he's a three-time national champion there. He's a running back uh, who he says and who Kitley says can really do it all. You know, he can run the ball. He can catch balls out of the backfield. And Kitley said that's really what he wants to do with the offense. Um, and, you know, he's a guy whose dad played in the NFL for a while. So I think he's a guy that they're expecting to come in and have, you know, a, a big impact on the offense this year. Um, and, you know, some other younger guys that just to kind of stick with your original question um, mm -hmm. at the receiver position, I think, is where it'll it'll really show, you know, Dakota Thomas. He had a big showing in their final regular season game at Charlotte. You know, Malachi Corley is another guy at receiver. He's more of just an overall athlete. You know, he's a guy that can move around the field. Um, he's a guy that they had the coaching staff had talked about quite a bit throughout the entire season and got some more time got a little bit more action towards the end of the year. So I think they're going to expect more out of him going into the 2021 season now as well.
Okay. Okay. Um, so I guess then um, let me ask this question. If, uh, if I'm in Bowling Green, as I mentioned before we started recording, my fiance and I were just there to uh, see a game that inevitably got rescheduled, which is a separate uh, story of just our lives during COVID in general. Um, what are some of the uh, places that we have to go stop to eat, in your opinion, once uh, restaurants can fully reopen? Um, you know, that's a good question. Uh, people ask me that a lot. There's a lot of chain restaurants in Bowling Green. It's there. I guess there's not as much of a local scene. Downtown has some pretty good um, spots to go to. I, I particularly like uh, a sports bar called Six Four Three. But I think a big reason is because it's right across the news, they're right across the street from the Daily News office. You know, they've got good prices. It's usually pretty chill, pretty relaxed, and I like that. Good spot to just, you know, have a have a drink and grab some dinner and watch a game on one of their TVs. Um, but, you know, there's, there's some other great places. Um, I'm kind of drawing a blank now. There's a couple barbecue places that people like. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a lot of chain restaurants, and if you – are craving a certain chain restaurant, you can probably find it here in Bowling Green. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a good chain. Eric, as uh, as you can attest, I've proclaimed my love for Chili's many, many times on this very podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm more of an Applebee's guy. But... An Applebee's guy? <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we don't have one, but, but yeah, I love me some Applebee's, you know? All right. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Eric, anything to add to uh, the conversation here? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump in here really quickly. And I, listen, I am not above a Chili's or Applebee's meal. You know, it, I don't know what our sponsorship situation is. Hopefully I'm not running amok in any situations there. However, um, I, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be a go-to, but I would say this. I, I, I'll say this, and then I, I'll use this to kind of segue into my conversation and question for Jared. When I covered the, the Camellia Bowl two years ago, FIU's bowl game in, uh, in 2019, uh, I, I didn't do the chilies or Applebee's, but I ate an insane amount of Waffle House. I, I think uh, there, I counted five Waffle House runs in the uh, three days I was there in Montgomery. So if, if I had to go to a, a chain of choice, I'm more of a Waffle House guy. I, I think, you know, just on, on its surface, I'm, I'm not going to not going to do the, the chilies or Applebee's as a first choice. I'm a Waffle House guy. I'm judging you a little bit for that one, I think. But, you know, <laughs> there are a few, a few Waffle Houses here in Bowling Green, if that's if – that's, uh your uh your flavor that's what you love so i'm not judging you. <laughs> and, and the thing is i didn't even get a chance to fully experience bowling green i stayed in nashville when i covered the game so uh i'll have to you know maybe maybe in two years we can circle back and, and see uh what the what uh, uh bowling green has to offer as far as that's concerned but jared want to uh kind of segue into this for you just you know it was really curious um, and I know Joe kind of touched on it in his line of questioning. Were, were the changes, at, you know, offensive coordinator, and then of course, you know, the the um, uh, change with with um, uh, Clayton White going to South Carolina, were, were was the, did those things kind of seem as if they were in motion, or were those kind of you know kind of maybe surprises, so to speak, as far as the the coordinator changes? You know, I'll start off with the offensive side of things. I just think because of the way that the season went for Western Kentucky this year. Um, the, a, a change at offense was kind of expected. You know, they were pretty stagnant offensively throughout the year, only averaging 19 points per game. Um, you know, that was 12th out of 13 Conference USA teams that played this year. Uh, their total offense was also 12th at 290.3 yards per game. Uh, FIU was the only team worse, um, you know, in total offense. So I think that was kind of expected that something needed to change there you know they had a good season last year but it was the defense that really carried them 
Um, and, and so they never really lit it up like they wanted to, like they did back in like the 14, 15, 16 years when Jeff Braum was here as the team's head coach. Um, and, you know, that was, that's kind of the expectation when Tyson Helton comes in and takes over as the head coach. And I think that's the hope for what will happen with Zach Kittley as the offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, he's a guy that comes in and in his introductory um, Zoom press conference, whatever you want to call it. He says, bottom line is, I was brought in here to light up the scoreboard. He says they want to average 40 points per game, and he thinks that's a realistic possibility. Um, you know, that's a big ask for a team that averaged 19 a game just last year. So I think that one was kind of expected. Um, you know, I think it was uh, kind of expected, too, that Brian Ellis would stick around. Him and Tyson Helton have been close throughout their their entire careers you know Tyson Helton was a guy that coached some at UAB Brian Ellis played at UAB they both coached at Western they both coached at USC under Tyson Helton's brother Clay um, so those two have been together for quite a bit of their careers and Brian Ellis uh, is, is expected to stay on in some type of offensive uh, capacity next year um, and then you know switching gears now to defense you know I I don't know if it was something they were necessarily expecting right when it happened, but I think it's something that they were expecting to happen eventually. Um, Tyson Helton has called Clayton White a future head coach on many occasions, um, and that's part of why they elevated Maurice Crum to that co-defensive coordinator position ahead of the 2020 season because they knew this was something that was going to happen eventually. You know, he had been getting looks. He's been in, in that national conversation for some of these big defensive coordinator roles. And, you know, it, it's a move that makes sense for Clayton White. He's a guy that, you know, was from the Carolinas. He played his college ball at North Carolina State, and he coached there before coming to Western Kentucky. So it's a good fit for him. You know, I think um, there's good pieces in place still with the defense now, especially with Maurice Crum, uh, like I said earlier, being the longest tenured uh, full-time coach on Western staff now, um, you know, taking over that defensive co coordinator role. So I think, you know, both of these moves were expected um, to happen eventually, um, but I, I don't know if the timing was exactly what they expected, but, you know, it, it kind of is what it is. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jared, two-part question here, and this may be kind of tough to answer or tough to ascertain, but uh, if you look at some of the moves that Western Kentucky's made, at least in terms of player changes and roster changes throughout the uh, the offseason, you've seen a certain amount of players, even during the season, you saw a certain amount of players enter the transfer portal. And then as you mentioned in your, in your, your opening with Joe, you saw you know some guys, whether it be Bailey Zappi or the Stearns brothers, you know, come in. Is it kind of a sense, Jared, that maybe there were some guys who weren't Tyson Helton guys, so to speak? And I don't mean that necessarily in a negative context, but just that you know you're going to have a certain amount of roster turnover with a coaching change, and maybe guys who were recruited from that previous staff under Mike Sanford who chose to leave. And and it, will there be the strategy to kind of hit the transfer portal, you know, significantly harder? given the fact that they may have, you know, X amount of guys to replace. And this is the team that seemingly is in position to win now. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, you know, kind of going off of one of those parts, you know, some of the guys 
I don't think they were Tyson Hilton guys, and that's just kind of the way college football works, the way that the signing classes work. And like you said, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It just it is what it is. I um, mean, you know, I think some of them, that's the reason why they entered the transfer portal. You know, I think some of them saw that maybe they would have another opportunity somewhere. You know, I look like look at a guy like Tyler Witt, who, you know, spent five years at Western Kentucky, an offensive lineman for them. Um, he enters the transfer portal uh, towards the end of the regular season, um, and now he's going to go to Purdue and play. So that's a power five move for him, and it's a good move for him. Um, you know, some of them, I just I think they weren't happy with the action that they were seeing or thought that they might have an, a better opportunity somewhere else. Um, you know, another guy like Jacor Pearson at receiver, he entered the transfer portal after the second game this fall, and now he's going to go to Ole Miss and, and play for Lane Kiffin down there. So, uh, and we all know what they can do offensively. And so that's probably a good move for him. Um, but, you know, going into the signing period this year, I saw a lot of um, dissatisfaction on Twitter from Western Kentucky fans, uh, to put it lightly, um, on that first signing day. Because they didn't really – they announced one guy, um, Miguel Edwards, a cornerback uh, transfer from Independence Community College. Um, by the time we had talked to the coordinators – um, you know, five, six o'clock that night while everybody else is announcing player after player after player. And, you know, all the coaches, Brian Ellis, Clayton White, Tyson Helton, whenever we talk to them, they're like, yeah, we're not worried. It's going to be waves. It's going to come in waves. You know, there's a signing period now. Uh, the transfer market's different, you know, the, all those types of things. We expect to get a hand few here, a handful there. Um, and, you know, they've really hit that transfer portal hard. Uh, they've only signed two players out of high schools of the 13 players that they've signed this offseason. So, you know, they've got a lot of guys coming in from other college programs. So, like you said, I think they're kind of expecting to win now. I want to ask you, what could, could potentially be the state of the Western Kentucky rushing game with uh, Gage Walker choosing to pursue his pro career? Well, obviously, we know that some players have the option to come back and return for uh, an additional season, but Gage Walker chose to uh, turn pro. So what would, do, you, do you anticipate kind of being, you know, as far as the, say, the Western Kentucky running game entering 2021? Uh, you know, they had Kari Moses. He was kind of uh, the other back that they used quite a bit this year. Um, you know, he's he's a guy that can – you know, take it for a good chunk of change. Every every time he gets it, he's just that athletic, that quick, and, and that type of player. He's a guy that's had to overcome uh, a couple of knee injuries during his career, you know, really had a tough break at it, but, you know, had a chance at a full season this year, and I think he, he made a, a pretty good, you know, season out of it for what he got. Um, and, you know, I mentioned Adam Cofield uh, earlier on the podcast, the graduate student from North Dakota State, um, you know, he's a, a 5'11", 205-pound back. Um, you know, he had a lot of success at North Dakota State. And I think most college football fans know, even if they don't follow FCS football a lot, North Dakota State's got a pretty pretty dang good program up there. Um, they won the last three national titles, and he was a guy that, you know, was a big part of their offense for that. And he was just looking for that next step in his career. Um, you know, all these guys have aspirations of going pro, basically. And, you know, I think this is going to be that next step for him to try to reach that. And, you know, they expect him to be a big piece of this offense and a big piece of this running game next year. Uh, so I'm excited to see what Adam Cofield is able to do uh, in a Hilltopper uniform. As Joe knows, we like to, you know, have a little bit of fun with our guests and we'll kind of add, talk about their travels and kind of their experience covering games. I want to ask you, start off with this one. Uh, what I believe this is your, your first year around the Hornets CUSA, correct, Jared? Yes. 
What was the, yep. of the cities you had a chance to travel to? What was your favorite CUSA city? My favorite CUSA city. Um, I'm trying to to remember where all I went uh, that were CUSA cities. You know, I spent and during football season at least. You know, I went to UAB. I went to FAU. Uh, I didn't go to the Charlotte game for football, but I was actually just there, um, you know, right around New Year for the basketball game. So I'll count that as part of this too. Um, you know, I, I kind of liked FAU. There was some bad weather when I was there. I imagined it would be a little bit nicer in Boca um, without that. Um, but, you know, that's never a bad spot to go. I'm from Maine originally, so anywhere in the winter that I get to go, you know, October to about April, that's warmer, I will take it. Um, I don't miss those cold winters at all. But, you know, uh, I think overall, if I looked at the entire Western Kentucky football schedule, the place I'd say I liked the most was going to, to BYU out Provo, Utah, though. Nice, nice. Okay, I I, I can't say I've, I've been to Utah or Provo, so, you know, that one, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a mulligan on that one because you, you haven't had a chance to hit the, the full gamut of CUSA City, so uh, I'm sure the FIU contingency won't hold it against you that you chose uh, chose Boca. Boca, definitely, at least FAU Stadium, as, as far as it's concerned, is a, it's a great facility. Uh, Two-part question for you. One, biggest change being coming from uh, from Maine to Bowling Green, and then the uh, the second question, best press box meal that that you you've consumed and and i'll i'll um kind of lead you in saying that I, I know i was deprived of uh the normal press box fear you know I, I, all the turkey sandwiches started to run together after a while at a certain point at the end of the year <laughs> oh man um yeah i'll start off with the first part of that um you know coming to bowling green from maine uh it was a little bit different you know i went to college in the boston area um and then after college i moved to uh, Maysville, Kentucky, uh, up in northeastern, more in the northeastern part of the state, and it was uh, a lot smaller than Bowling Green is. So, you know, I got kind of that northeastern, the mountainy uh, type of environment there. Then I moved to more south-central Kentucky, and, and it's been a good change. You know, I'm from a really small town in Maine. We had one stoplight, so Bowling Green's about the size of the largest city uh, population-wise in Maine. So it's not bad, you know, and as you know, uh, not Charlotte, Nashville's close by. Uh, like you said, you stayed there. Um, so, you know, there's, there's quite a bit to do. The weather's a lot better here. Um, you know, get to drink some bourbon, watch some horse racing, bet some long shots, you know. Uh, so it's been fun. Um, best press box meal. Are you considering that just CUSA or just, uh, I, or just in general? No, nah, that's in general, across the board. Man, that's... Actually, that's a pretty easy one. Um, ahead of this year, I went to a game in, at Ohio State, and they had some city barbecue and some smoothies. But after this year, I would definitely say it was at BYU. Uh, they catered some Brazilian steakhouse there, and it was like a, a full spread in a to-go box. It was impressive. And, you know, BYU, they're out more West Coast time, mountain time, so the game was later. But after that meal, man, all I wanted to do was fall asleep. <laughs> it, yeah, it wasn't necessarily the best game either so that that probably played a factor you're you're, you're killing me man the fact that you know byu is able to cater in some uh a brazilian steakhouse <laughs> as as i mentioned you know for, for everyone listening i wasn't being hyperbolic when i said uh every single press box meal i've had and of course we understand the circumstances with covid but uh uh, five five FIU games, five turkey sandwiches. So I, I definitely missed. Um, Jared, I'll give you this, which you'll have to look forward to at Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte does unlimited Chick-fil-A. So uh, if Ooh. you can get your hands on, on a few Chick-fil-A sandwiches there, that's always sweet. Um, and then uh, um, 
FAU, at least when I was there, they had a really good like Latin spread. That, that was pretty good. So uh, I'll pass it back to Joe on this one. I know he's all, always more than happy to, uh, to opine on the, the topic of food in the press box. Hang on, I'm texting Will Healy to see how much Chick-fil-A he can mail me via USPS right now. I, I doubt he'll respond, but coach, get back to me. <clears throat> um, no, but but Jared, uh, a couple more questions before you go. Um, you mentioned that Jacor Pearson just uh, signed with Old Miss as he entered the transfer portal. Um you know, what do you kind of anticipate um, in terms of players coming back next year with the extra year of eligibility due to all the COVID stuff and, and how that'll affect Western Kentucky football? You know, I think they'll have a handful come back. Um, you know, some won't come back for different reasons. Some, like we've mentioned, have entered the, entered the transfer portal as, as graduate students or or whatnot. But, you know, I think they'll yeah. have a good back. A lot of them haven't really announced it yet. Um you know, I asked Tyson Helton probably every media availability that we had uh, the last three of the season, you know, is this going to be this group of seniors' last game at the Houchin Smith Stadium? Is this going to be their last game ever? Is this going to be their last bowl game? And he would always kind of be like, you know, we're going to have those discussions once the season is over. We're going to have them after this point. And he never really said for sure who would be coming back or not. Um, you know, I think as we get closer to the spring, more and more of these players are going to – I think we'll get a, a clearer picture of who will and who won't be back. But, you know, I think whoever else that Western Kentucky signs could play a factor in that too because some of these players might see their playing time or their, um, you know, ability to get on the field, um, you know, shrinking some. Some of these new players coming in um, from other colleges, a lot of Power 5 guys. So, you know, I think it's just a wait-and-see kind of thing for the program right now. You mentioned talking to Tyson Helton. In your experience with with him over the course of this year, what's kind of his uh, mood and mindset with everything going on in uh, in college football at the moment? Uh, obviously, one coach of the year uh, this past season got off to a little bit of a rocky start and started figuring it out towards the end. Um, but what's kind of your assessment of Coach Helton at this point? You know, I think he's, he's a coach. I think he kind of takes things as they are. He's not a guy that gets – really too excited about things or too down about things. He's pretty even keeled. Um, you know, he was definitely disappointed with the way that this season went. Uh, Western Kentucky, you know, they played a tough schedule, um, a number uh, uh, you know, power five program in Louisville to start things off. And then you get Liberty Marshall, BYU, who are all at one point or in the final ranking were in the top 25, um, you know, mix in a UAB team that, won the conference you know it's a tough schedule but you know he said um i asked him he always talks about you know looking at it as the whole body of work so after their loss to georgia state in the lending tree bowl uh on december 26th i asked him kind of you know looking at the whole body of work now how would you evaluate it and his answer was not good enough obviously um it's a losing season and there's nothing good to say about a losing season so um you know he was disappointed but I think he's optimistic about the future too, um, you know, especially with, um, you know, a new guy leading the offense and some of these players that they have coming through. But, you know, throughout the whole season, he's pretty even keeled. I think he was just, uh, for one, happy that they were able to play football. Um, you know, like I mentioned, his brother, Clay Helton, uh, out at USC, you know, they had all the issues with the, the Pac-12 and, you know, the Big Ten, are they going to play? Are they not going to play? So just being able to get 12 games in as a win in of itself, um, 
but yeah, I think his sights are kind of on this next year already. Um, like I said, obviously disappointed with the 2020 season um, in terms of wins and losses. Um, but yeah, he's pretty even keeled about most of those things. That's kind of the impression that I get too, just from, you know, being on those zoom calls and stuff like that this year or watching them the day after what have you. Um, but no, I think Western Kentucky football is in a good place with, with coach Shelton at the helm. Um, Eric, before we let uh, Jared get back to his day, anything else you got for the guy? No, I think you pretty much wrapped it up there. You know, unfortunately, uh, we try to leave 2020 behind us, but uh, technical difficulties follow me into 2021. So I apologize for those listening. If there were any uh, feedback issues in my mic there, I, I'm trying to leave the, the 2020 behind us, but uh, it's just creeping up little by little, Joe. It's just following us like a like you know, this little shadow in my arm, you know, shadow behind my shoulder. So uh, other than that, no, I think we're all good. Appreciate Jared for, uh, for making the time. Hey, no problem, guys. Anytime you want to have me on, just give me a shout absolutely uh for those listening if you want to follow jared on twitter you can at j mac donald sports m-a-c donald sports uh encourage you to check out his coverage of uh, western kentucky basketball as that season starts to get into gear here uh but until we talk again uh at underdog dynasty on all the socials at j-o-e-h-i-o underscore for me at eric c henry underscore for eric And of course, uh, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you haven't already. Happy football watching, everybody. We will talk to you very soon.